three, two. Welcome to the Sword on the Trial, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jerry Longshore. I'm Tom Askell. Hey, this this table I'm just looking at, I don't think it's six feet long. I'm a little bit nervous. I'm going to need you to back up a little bit. <laughs> You're running a higher risk of catching the corona than I am right now. It's only because I'm old. Maybe not only, but I, because I'm old, right? In you is also vested all the wisdom because of the gray hair. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. Yeah, well. The glory if, of the young man is his strength. The glory of the old man is his wisdom. Well, if gray hair is what constitutes wisdom, then, man, I got it. But, uh, <laughs> I'm afraid there's a little bit more than that. You got page, man. Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening to the Sword and the Trial today. Uh, we have weathered the storm of the coronavirus. And no, no, decided no. We to are weathering we are weathering yeah. well i was i was talking about you and me past tense driving here this morning that's we true. weathered the storm we did we, go all the way through it we uh came out and decided to get together we have not yet been put on lockdown here in florida we hope we can get home uh we hope that we can get home from it um but man no, we hope that you're tuning in here and one of the things that we want to do is try to put out as much content as possible since people are staying home a lot and you're going to be on the internet and uh, we certainly want to try to provide any wisdom we can about this coronavirus. That's right. We got cats in the studio today. We're going to be making cat videos so that uh, we can add to the collection that you want to tune into over the next week, right? Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. <laughs> well, uh, Tom has a PhD in uh, science and viral studies. So, um, oh, wait. No, no you, don't, don't. But you don't need one of those today. That's right. That's right. Um all right, let's get into it, Tom. Let's talk about the coronavirus. One of the things uh, we want to talk about primarily is uh, no fear. Yeah. Uh, don't fear him who can destroy the body, but just, uh, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. That's what Scripture tells us. And um, while we look at the spread of this virus, everybody's watching updates and news is breaking daily on the progress of it. And what's happening is the nation seems to be shutting down. States seem to be shutting down. Um, I've heard it said well that you, there are two viruses. You don't want to spread either one. There is the uh, coronavirus. Well, be wise. Don't spread that. There's the panic virus, mm-hmm. uh, which given the social media age in which we live, um, I, I'm, at least today, I'm, I'm more concerned about the spread of that panic virus presently than I am the corona. I don't think that there are a lot of people going out and you know coughing on other people. I'm sure that happens because right. we're a big nation. Uh, so don't do that and exercise wisdom. But uh, if you ask me this morning, I'm a little more concerned about the panic and things that are happening. And hopefully we can try to communicate wisdom and how, how are you to have courage and to um, work as you're able and not sit in anxiety and fear biting your nails as the new media comes out every day. Yeah, and, and we don't want to downplay um, the implications of all that's happening in our nation because of the virus. I've got a friend who uh, said Saturday that his 94-year-old grandmother died in the uh, nursing home where she was because her grandfather was unable to go see her for the last week. He said the only time she would eat was when he was there. And they've been married, I think it was 70 years or 70 plus years. And um, so she just quit eating and because mm. he couldn't get in to see her. So she's not going to be labeled as having died because mm-hmm. of the coronavirus, but very much because of what's happening in the nation due to the coronavirus. And uh, couples getting married, you know, talk to, I've got a friend that married a couple Saturday and it was him and the couple and their parents, you know, that's all that could gather uh, funerals. You just 
Yeah. Buried your grandmother. My right? grandmother. Uh, we just had a funeral. She was a wonderful, godly lady. She had been living 18 years about without my grandfather. Loved the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, she died and went there to the funeral. But people were exercising caution. My yeah. other grandmother still living and saw her and just didn't uh, didn't hug her. We're sitting there yeah. looking at each other going, I love you. And, yeah. But she's um, older. And that was so trying to exercise caution while uh, still we... Uh, decided to get together and to uh, have her funeral. So Yeah, so there are implications, and we don't want to downplay those. And, and people are getting sick, and uh, people will die, have died, are going to die from this, and that, that's a, a tragedy that's really sad and, and grievous. So nothing to downplay that. But what you said doesn't get looked at nearly as seriously right now as it should be, and that's panic. In fact, I've seen people saying, if you're not panicking, you're not doing it right, mm. because we got to panic in order to get ahead of this virus. And, uh, of course, panicking, giving in to fear is never right for a Christian, though we're often tempted to do that for a variety of reasons. But the, the key for us as believers is to keep feeding our minds with truth. Mm. There's truth that comes to us from various places. There, there's the truth about this virus. There's the truth about the world we live in and the consequences of living in a fallen world. But there's truth that God gives us in his word. And if we're not feeding on that truth, then, man, you can guarantee we're being discipled every day. Every day we're being discipled. And right now the media that is discipling most Americans is discipling them from a godless worldview. Mm. And so if you're feeding your mind to those on what those people are serving up, then if you will be very strongly tempted to give in to fear, to give in to panic. And what we've got to do is continue to come back to the Word of God, just what right. you said. Fear God. Yeah, yeah. And then, and, and, man. We've talked a lot about the materialistic world in which we live. A lot of the stuff that we've been doing with By What Standard and um, other initiatives here have been identifying um, the worldview that is present in the United States of America and has been for a long time. So when you say they're, they're, the media is communicating to you from a godless worldview, one of the things to watch out for, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean they're getting up there and, you know, uh, saying, there is no God. Yeah, they're not doing it like that. Um, but they're not going to be saying actually very, very important things. One of the things, they're not going to get up there and say, and say we need to repent. Right. They're right. not going to say that. And we actually do need to repent. And repenting is actually very much connected to the virus. Right. And no one wants to say that. Well, who are you, some crazy? No, it's called him a Christian. It's like right. God controls these, these kinds of things. And we see it all throughout Scripture. Um, so there's no doubt that we need to say, okay, this has come upon us. Our God is sovereign and he is good. And we need to examine ourselves individually and then in the family and in the church and then throughout our state and throughout our nation and say, how are we to be repenting right, right. now? Let's really think about it. Let's examine ourselves and cry out to God and acknowledge our, our shortcomings. So a lot of, you're going to get a lot of stuff with data. Some of the stuff you're going to get, a lot, a lot of it's not going to be accurate. You can find accurate stuff, but even the accurate things that you'll find are there's only part of the picture. So right. what do you do now that you have this data if you're a Christian? And you're not going to be instructed how to respond from the media outlets. That's right. And, yeah, to to keep the, the what the Bible teaches us central. I mean, to remember, this is God's world. Genesis 1-1. Come back to that. Man, I would encourage Christians every day to remind yourself of this. Remind your children of this. God created this world. It belongs to him. He's ruling. He's overruling in this world. So, yeah, repentance. What would repentance look like for America? Mm -hmm. It would look like closing down 
Planned Parenthood and every abortuary in the nation. What about the church? Well, we live in a, a society church that has countenanced abortion and we've tolerated abortion and we've tried to mitigate abortion through the pro-life movement for decades now and we still have a million, almost a million abortions a year going on. I mean, how much blood, innocent blood has to be spilt that the scripture says cries out to God before we would stop and acknowledge, you know, maybe God is doing it. Maybe this is judgment from God. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly we deserve it. If we got what we deserved, America would be thrown on the ash heap of human history. Praise God for the good things this nation has done. But brothers and sisters, we need to come face to face with the reality that we have rebelled against our God mm-hmm. and that our civic leaders are not going to acknowledge this. You know, President Trump's doing things that some things he's doing really good, but President Trump doesn't give me any sense that he has an awareness that he stands before God and that one day he's going to give an account to God in this nation for how he has served as president. You know, I, I was I was thinking about the abortion stuff recently. I was reading a good book on it, and they were just highlighting the connections and helping me to see some, some more of the sin underneath of that. You know, that <clears throat> you, you don't only have murder. You, you not only have murder there, but... You know, with my wife now pregnant with our seventh child, um, I'm reflecting on with everyone we know. It's like, oh, our lives are going to change, right? Like, it's like God created this child in the womb, and now our lives are going to change. And we're going to have to make changes because our lives are going to change. And the, there's an impulse. I don't want my, I don't want my life to change. Right. I want to control. I want to control. Um, if, you know, uh, if a lady says, I want to control if I'm going to be able to go get an education, I want to control if I'm going to be able to go and climb the corporate ladder. And so what do I do? Well, because of my, I want to be God. That's what's going on at the bottom of this. I want to be God. I want to control this thing. So you put the child to death. You, you kill the child so that you can be in control of your life, of your life's destiny, of your path. And I'm seeing, um, patterns of that with the virus. So here's the virus and I want to control the virus. I want to control it. Um, I don't want it to control me. I want to be able to end the virus. And again, a lot of those impulses are good. We should try to use everything that we can to end the virus. Mm -hmm. But when it's done from a purely secular humanistic worldview, okay, well, here's what we have to do to end the virus, right? Do this. And then, then government. Okay. So now we're going to go here because this is the only way that we know to contain the virus or to end the virus. It's still, you can make some very, very bad decisions when you start to think that you are God and when you try to operate like God. Yeah. And it highlights even in the Christian community, what goes on far too often is that is that we focus on secondary causes rather than the first cause. We Mm -hmm. don't focus on God. We don't say God has done this. We say, oh, look what China has done or look what uh, this, the president has done or the administration's done or the CDC or whatever. We, we look for those secondary causes, and that's where we focus in. And mm-hmm. if people don't comply with certain rules or if they uh, think thoughts that are contrary to the mainstream right now, then we focus on them. We want to blame them. And here, brothers and sisters, what we need to do is deal with God. We, we need to come face to face with the fact that God is doing this. There's right. not a random virus in this world, and God is ruling and overruling this. He could have stopped this. He has not. He could end it today, and thus far, he has not. And so what Christians need to be doing is we need to be getting down on our knees and begging God, saying, God, show us. What have we done? We repent. Right. We repent. We're going to deal with you. Have mercy on us. I mean, Every morning, my wife and I plead with God that he would bring us 
our nation, this this world, uh, our, the world we live in, to repentance. Uh-huh. That he would show us our sin and that he would help those that are dealing with this in the medical community and the political communities, real wisdom, guide them so that we might see an end to this virus. Right. You know, to, to try to give an example of that point you're making, and, and we... <laughs> Sadly, because of our nation, we, we shouldn't expect that the nation as a whole, which is full of secular humanism, is going to acknowledge that first cause. Because right. they, don't, they don't ever acknowledge the first right. cause, God. And so they can only look to secondary causes, right? So God is the one, the first cause, who provides the water. And he does so through means, second causes, uh, like water fountains, Okay, so Christians, we're all about acknowledging the first cause, God, and acknowledging the means mm-hmm. and using the means that God has provided. So advances in science and technology, uh, amen. Um, but if you deny the first cause, and all you're left with is the water fountain, you're going to make bad decisions, even about the water fountain. Right. You're going to make you're going to make decisions about the water fountain that are going to impact all sorts of other dimensions of your society. You're going to make really bad choices. Um, some of the things that you say will be right, uh, but a lot of what's clustered around that, and even some of the things you say about the water fountain itself, are going to be wrong. So, when you're watching, you know, um, data analysis and then recommendations that are that are coming to you. That's one way. Step back and go, okay, let's think Christianly right. about this. Yes, God uses means, uh, but there's also a God in heaven. He is the first cause, and we, we must acknowledge him. Yeah. And then we must use the means that he has provided, but we ought not to be arrogant in our assessment of, of those means, acknowledging yeah. the limited information. I agree with you, man. And, and, again, we get it when unbelievers do this, but you want to see how much the church has been discipled by the world. Just listen how much the church sounds like the world and how we're approaching this problem. Uh, we look to government. We blame government. You can br- blame the Democrats. You can blame the Republicans. You can blame the president or whatever. Everybody looks to the government, and it's like we're looking to the government as the source of the solution, mm-hmm. and we've forgotten God. Yep. And when Christians do that, uh, it's a bad indication of just how far we have strayed. So let's um, let's look at a little bit of the situation. We're recording this uh, Monday morning. What's the date? 23rd. 23rd. Um, so we just looked up. It looks like there's uh, been 340 deaths. Again, these numbers are going to be approximate, and even some of the stats we have to acknowledge with the way testing goes, but about 340 deaths in the United States. looks like 12,706 deaths worldwide. And uh, we live here in Florida, so the Florida governor, um, Governor DeSantis, is looking at the possibility of isolation shelters. I saw that recently, so um, he is not... um, Got, he's not um, communicated a no stay-at-home policy, mm-hmm. uh, but you know we're hearing a little bit of talk about that. But the isolation shelters idea is if you get sick, there would be a place for you to go so you don't infect your other family members. Uh, the U.S. president, uh, a few days back, how many days, did a 15-day slow the spread. Right. So that's been a big deal uh, nationally. States with stay-at-home orders or with orders that are shutting down all um, non-essential businesses. I've got California, Louisiana, Delaware, Ohio, Illinois, and Pennsylvania from a little bit of my analysis this morning. I don't think they've all done stay-at-home orders but some of them have and others have said you know no no business um, other than essential business and so you have a lot I mean it seems to be we're certainly on the rise it will be interesting to see what happens this week and then the stimulus bill this just happened recently but you have it was at a trillion 
<laughs> That's not enough. <laughs> Let's double it. Um, we're $22, 23000000000000 trillion in debt. That's the national debt, about $23 trillion. Um, I, We've been talking about this recently, but I started digging in a little bit. It looks like we, uh, through taxes, the federal government inflows are around $3.something trillion, $3.5 trillion every year. It uh, looks like the outflows are actually more than that, fairly consistently, about $500, 600000000000 more. So outflows are, so we're going in debt just every year. Um, and, and then the interest on the national debt that I found, again, you have to Google these own numbers and, you know, take into account that I'm not a federal agent. Stay in your lane, Jerry. I'm, I'm not a federal agent. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about stay in your lane. That's going to come up in that. Um, but about $600 billion or something like that every year. Okay. So that's our present situation. And I started pondering, you know, if you shut down the government today, and kept bringing in all the taxes, no military, no president, no anything at all, no no government schools. Um, if you did all that and you kept having people pay their taxes and you had an income above $3.5 trillion, you know, you'd have to go how many years to pay off $22 trillion? That's what, like, again, no president, no, no military, no anything. So we know that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And we, we kind of have to face up to where we're at uh, on that front. But anyways, that stimulus package uh, just, I think it was last yesterday, the uh, Democrats said no. They needed 60 in the Senate to uh, affirm McConnell's plan and take it to the next stage. It wasn't an official vote, but it would get it down the road a little bit. It was like 47 to 47, so they're not even close, at least presently right. on that. And the economy in America is um, on what might be called a downward trajectory. <laughs> Over the cliff, huh? Yeah. Majority I, of churches, I would say, my, my sense is majority of churches did not meet uh, last Sunday. Right, yeah. And and yeah, so, I mean, you got church budgets as well. We're f- confronted with that reality uh, in our own church here and trying to think through how we steward that. But it, on the national scale, it's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. And again, the, the fear I have is that people look to the government as their nanny, as their God, to fix this fix this. And government can't fix this. I mean, praise God for every good thing that our government can do. But for too long, God's people have followed the cues of the world. We've let the world disciple us about how to think. And so our first impulse is to turn to the government Mm. rather than to turn to God. And we're not getting out of this without God coming and intervening. And I don't think we're getting out of this without real pain. There's going to be some pain involved. Yeah, yeah. That government idea. First, first the kind of theology, philosophy underneath of it. And then I want to make it tangible for people. Because I think, you know, again, yeah. I, one of the problems is I, I think people don't see the practical examples of what you say. So they're going to be like, well, no, we're not really doing that. And then we're going to have to help draw the connection. Like, okay, here's how you do it. Here's what it looks like. I mean, I would cite $23 trillion worth of debt. As, like, that's, that's, that's one way. That's called, that's the fruit of what Tom's talking about. <laughs> like You've got to make those connections. But philosophically, doctrinally, if your secular humanism basically says man is God, man is the measure of all things, and that's still the air that we breathe, mm-hmm. well, that means man is God. Uh, they turn Romans. They turn from worshiping the creator to worship the creature, to worship the creature. And when you worship the creature, uh, what you will do it, who 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 are the well? You're going to worship the the creatures with the with the power. You know the yeah. creatures. I, I'm not writing anybody. I, I can't write the nation a thousand dollars. I can't write every person in the nation a thousand dollars. Can you write every person in the nation a thousand dollar check? You bet. Okay, <laughs> it won't be worth anything, but I can do it. <laughs> All right. So 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 secular humanism. Let's cry out to the people. Government. They're, they're the they're the human beings who have the ability to fix this problem. Right. So I think. 
it, that is the philosophy, theology underneath what you just said. That makes sense to me. What mm-hmm. I would expect America to do is to cry out to, to the government. But how? let's get to the practicality of it. You, you say that's the case. So cite some examples that would prove that is what happens very often in America. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we've seen it time and again. Uh, I mean, I, I've got commercials or, or video images playing in my mind uh, during a, a time of severe rioting in Los Angeles. Uh, everything was shut down. Businesses were shut down there. And I remember one newscaster interviewing some locals there. And a guy said, uh, said, man, said, my job has been cut. Said, I'm wanting to know where's my check? Where's my check? He's mm-hmm. asking the government where his check is. Uh, when President Obama was president, you know, people were celebrating, saying, you know, he's going to give us this. He's going to give us that. He's going to give me a phone. He's going to take care of me this way. And, and when the, uh, the health bill, Obamacare, was passed, people began to show up at the hospital saying, okay, you know, I want to get a checkup. I got a cough or, you know, what they just expected the government to be the source of everything that they needed. We do that all the time. And I think even conservatives, even evangelicals tend to do that as well. So that even now, even now, what are we doing where our eyes are on the government? Now the government needs to deal with this. I mean, this is a threat to the nation. So government officials are placed there to do good, to promote good, to put down evil and that needs to be their function in this health crisis, no doubt about that. But how much time are God's people spending listening to, looking to the government versus listening to and looking to God? I mean, that would just be a way to examine your own heart here. How much time are you reading, meditating on God's Word, trying to understand what God has said to us in Scripture about our lives in this broken world? And how much time are you praying to Him compared to the, the number of press conferences you're listening to? Mm-hmm. or the the number of uh, articles that you're trying to search out in order to figure out who's doing what and uh, time spent concerned about government officials operating in ways that maybe they should be operating. But it's our default mode. We've been discipled. That's my point. It's, it's not that government officials don't have a role to play. Praise God for every medical expert that's on the case. We pray for Mike Pence every morning, in, in Don and I, every morning we pray for Vice President Pence and the task force that he's put together. But we're praying to God, and we need to pray to God, and we need to, to discipline ourselves. We've had to do this in our own home. We've just had to, to turn off the news outlets at times because it's overwhelming what they're saying, and they're coming from a perspective that does not factor in the true God. Right. So that's my point, is brothers and sisters, we are the only ones who know God, and we must be calling out to the God who exists, who rules over this virus. Yeah. And we must deal, be dealing with God directly, both in terms of our own individual lives needing to turn from sin, our church corporate lives needing to turn from sin, and then the nations in which we live needing right. to turn from sin. This has to come from Christians. Christians are the ones who know the true and living God. Christians are the ones who understand the world the best because they understand. We should. We, we should. And we can, that'd be an interesting thing for us to debate. You know, do Christians, by having the Spirit, have some kind of understanding of the world i mean there can be christians who are being foolish by all means but there's a sense that we know that we know the god who created this world and therefore we ought to know at least um the the world that god has created and we should understand how we are to live in it and i mean in a, in a, in a foundational way one of the things i was thinking about this morning my wife's very pregnant 37 38 weeks soon to bring a baby into the world and 
number seven, experiencing all the pains that come with that. And we often go back to Genesis 1-1, you know, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, exercise dominion. <clears throat> and then the way that the curse of Genesis 3 falls upon both man and woman right at the mm. point of what they're supposed to do. So what's going to happen to the man? Well, he was told to work. And, and so um, you're not going to work the ground by the sweat of your brow. Okay. Well, the woman, uh, you know, she's the one who bears the child. You will now have pain in childbearing. So the curses fall right upon the both the, these commands that are so intricately woven together of being fruitful and exercise dominion. It's very interesting because uh, I, as a man, am experiencing the sweat of my brow now, the, the thorn, because, okay, I've got a lot of challenges. Like, as a church, how do I shepherd now? My, my job just became very, uh, very much more difficult, mm-hmm. as well as all the people under my care as a church. I'm looking at the difficulties that all of them are facing. And my wife is actually feeling real challenges with bringing forth this baby, regardless of what's going on with corona. It's, right. it, it's, it, it's exacerbated right. by, by corona. And so if you think of the Garden of Eden, one of the things I'd want to point out, take away Corona and just think about the way any society would operate, any, any family has to operate. If you're in the Garden of Eden, um, out there is the world that needs to be um, exercised dominion over. Okay, so, well, the further away you get, the more new, very scary, challenging things you're going to confront. You're going to confront new animals that could kill you. And so you get too far out there, you might find out something that's bigger than you and you're going to you're going to be destroyed. Well, you don't want that because then you can't exercise dominion in anymore. Now, but if you just stay right here in the in the garden and you think, well, you know, that having baby stuff is really challenging, so we're not going to do that anymore. And uh, I don't know that I really want to go work because I don't want to face the sweat and I don't want to face the threat. Well, then you got a Tower of Babel situation and that God's going to come down and, and discipline you, judge you, and you're not doing what God would want you to do anyways. And so wisdom and courage have always, always been operating right at the heart. You need courage to go out. You need the wisdom to know, do I want to fight that battle yet? Mm-hmm. And in one sense, every household in America is facing that challenge now. And you want wise and courageous people. And to have wisdom, you have to be in Christ. Because in Christ are found all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And to have courage, you have to be in Christ. Because in Christ is where courage is. Otherwise, you're just going to be afraid to die. But Christians are not foundationally afraid to die. We don't have a death wish because we want to fulfill what God's told us to do. But we actually have the resources in Christ to face that challenge. So now that the virus has come, you want Christians to be thinking, okay, um, yeah, I need to go. And as many men uh, throughout the centuries have woken up and looked at their bride and their children, say, I'm going off to work. I need I need to work in some ways. There's certain people that should not be working right now. I get it because of the virus. Uh, there's other people that have to work. We're all going to be working in one way or another. But that, that principle has to keep going. All the talk about an economy at the end of the day is human beings say, I'm going to go out and there's a threat and there's a real threat and I'm going to exercise wisdom, but I'm going to toil as much ground as I can so that I can put food on our table at the end of the day. So I think that's a very helpful way to think about what needs to be done at this time. And there's going to be all kinds of applications of it, but I think that's a foundational principle. Yeah, it is. I agree with you. And we're not going to get that by listening to Fox News or CNBC. You're only going to get that by having your mind renewed, transformed by the washing of the word as you take it in. And right now, churches are not able to meet the way that we have uh, been meeting and people are being forced to stay home because of the threat of this virus. So the the regular means of grace has been uh, have been significantly uh, inhibited. 
with God's people. So as shepherds, man, and you know, we talk about this as amongst our elders, what can we do? How do we shepherd God's people when we don't have the regular means of grace operating the way that they normally do? Well, you don't just give up. You don't quit. I and mean, we've got technology. Praise God for that. Use technology. But I would just encourage pastors, man, think about these things and think of the ways that you can remind your people of these things. Send emails, make phone calls. We can still do that. And we've been able to send out God's word by a Zoom call last night, you know, with our congregation, by um, emails and by phone calls and text messages. But remind your people, remind one another, Christians need to do this, of what the Bible says about these things. It is still true that we are not to let our hearts be troubled. It is still true that we're not to be anxious about anything. It is still true that we are to look not only to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, because the things that are seen are temporary. The things that are unseen are eternal. And it's as we do that, Mm -hmm. as we have God's Word operating in our affections, in our thoughts, in influencing our wills, that we will be able to see clearly, to have the wisdom that we need to negotiate decisions and have the courage then to take the right decisions and follow through on them. Yeah. Without that, we're going to be set up to be played big time by the enemies that are arrayed against our soul that would love to take advantage of this crisis and draw us away from Christ. Yeah, and for every Christian um, man, husband, father, and for every Christian woman, uh wife, mother, um, grandmother, sisters, all of those relationships, every household, every Christian household, think about the opportunities you have now. I mean, put yourself in that initial little society that I tried to create, and there's a virus. Well, we got some serious problems because we're in a village here, and if, if, if some of our elderly folks go out and work, they're at a greater threat. Okay, we know that much at least, and I know there's a lot of dynamics changing day to day, but think about your station and say, okay, People are going to be. People are getting laid off. That's happening. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, as a person, uh, the challenge of innovating. Uh, I'm going to innovate. I'm going to try to meet the needs that are present right now. I'm going to try to tighten up my belt. I'm going to try to work harder. I'm going to try to produce more and consume a little bit less as a as a free man. I'm mm-hmm. not told this to do. I'm, I'm going to try to do this so that I could be in a position to employ right. some of these other other people that given the sectors that they work in are really going to get laid off and to no fault of their own even but they're going to we've got this problem but every christian can start to think in these ways asking god for wisdom and then going putting his hand to the plow in ways that he can uh over i'm thinking even extended here we're looking at the next year um at, at least at and, least and, and longer yeah of saying, I want to be, and I've got these guys that I'm talking to, I just love these brothers that are already thinking about what can I do to be in a position to maybe employ some of these people, right? That I can innovate and then provide. And and God's given us that ability to think like that. You know, he's created us in his own image. And it's one thing to just sit and watch all the depressing news and think, I know every person's fighting that temptation. I don't want to move. I don't want to do anything. You know, I don't but, okay, no, what can I do? What has God given me? And for Christians, that's going to be, you're going to be given different, different tools and resources. Mm-hmm. But there's a danger of thinking, well, I'm not an expert. You know, I, I joke, you and I are not going to create a vaccine for the coronavirus. That's not going to come from the Sword in the Trial podcast. <laughs> I can promise you that. Um, but he, he's given us, <laughs> go ahead. Although, although, inside this cup, for $20, we... <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. So into this right That's now. Right. That's I think right. You could probably heal people if you just put your hand out and you just heal people right through the video screen. Um, only if they give money. Um, 
Yeah, so what do you have? What gifts do you have? What resources do you have? And, and you do have something. I mean, goodness, yeah, all the way down. My children, I'm trying to communicate this to my children. I got a 10-year-old, 9-year-old, 8-year-old. I was like, you know that you can do things right here that will have an impact on our nation and the challenges that they're facing. You know, And then I'm like, turn the lights off. That's your job. <laughs> One of the, if you turn the lights off, if you start turning the light off when you leave a room, we're going to be able to do this. Um, but anyway, that's that's a wonderful way to think during this time. It's kind of refreshing in light of all the bad news that's happening. Right. All these things. Say, okay, let's let's do what we can right now. Yeah, and don't be knocked off your game, Christian. I mean, we are called by God. We know Christ. We're called to live in this world as ambassadors of Christ. Don't be knocked off of that because experts are telling you, oh, you can't do this or you got to do that. Yeah, we want to be wise. We want to be prudent. We want to be careful. We're not going to gather in large groups, and we're going to try to uh, knock down the curve and do the best we can to cooperate in that. I'm not suggesting that at all. But recognize that we are doing that as a matter of prudence and we're not going to give up biblical convictions and say, well, you know, we can't do this because the government tells us we can't do it. And we're just going to wait till the government tells us we can do it again. And then we'll start doing it. Don't, don't live like that. Recognize the government is given to us by God and uh, the governing authorities are his servants, praise God for them. But we answer to God and we, we observe the laws of the land, and we respect the governing authorities because they come from God. We've got to keep that in our minds. So that being the case, we don't sit around and take our cues from the government. We don't wait for the government to tell us what to do or what not to do, or can we be industrious, or no, we can't work in this area anymore. Okay, well, maybe we can't. That doesn't mean we can't do anything. That doesn't mean we just sit around and watch TV all day. I mean, take advantage of the opportunities that you have. And I don't doubt at all that there will be some very creative things that will arise from this. One of our church members last night was texting me about making hand sanitizer, you know, and how he's found this way with ingredients that are pretty common to make hand sanitizer. I got a daughter who makes all kind of stuff through, um, she's a chemist, and and, uh, so she understands how to put things together uh, using just basic materials that are going to be good. Well, There are all kinds of ways like that that God's people ought to be thinking creatively because this is God's world, we're his people, and we're not shut down by this. We may not be able to do what we would love to do, what we normally would do, but that doesn't mean we don't do anything. We're still under a commission. We still bear his image. We still have the responsibility to represent Jesus Christ. One of the things, again, another one of our members was talking to me the other day about, and we've been concerned in our our own world, too, with, with our neighbors uh, you know, we got we got neighbors that don't have access to this kind of thinking, this way of living that the Bible set before us that God has has brought into our lives by His grace. Well, we ought to be conduits of grace to them. Man, look for ways to serve your neighbors. What can you do? Maybe providing a meal for them, leave it on their doorstep, or or share something that you have. Um, excess of that they don't have are just communicating to them that you're praying for them pray for them by name ask them how you can pray for them our neighbors are being affected by this too and if they don't know christ then they're being affected in ways without resources that you and i have so as christians we ought to be looking for opportunities the church ought to be trying to lead out in ministering god's grace in this time of difficulty that's happened throughout history by the way that's one of the ways the early church grew was through times of famine and plague when everybody else closed in the church did not cave into fear and recognize no we live before the true god Mm -hmm. who rules heaven and earth and we're going to to represent him by laying down our lives for the sake of his gospel 
you know, as we uh, sign off here today, I was reflecting on uh, your medical episode that happened however long ago now. And uh, there you are, um, unresponsive, laying in the ambulance. And as you're going, first thing out of your mouth to one of the uh, medical providers that was there in the ambulance with you was fear God. Mm. And um, what an amazing thing that that is what you said after your fall. And, you know, here the nation is uh, in this challenging state. Everything seems to be shutting down. And one of the messages I'd want to communicate is fear God, Amen. not Corona. And uh, if we do that and then we trust him and take him at his word, um, God will help us give us strength, supply us with everything that we need. So Amen. thanks again for listening to The Sword and the Trial today. Uh, we are going to make an effort here to try to get as much uh, content out as we possibly can. We do have the armory for the Founders Alliance members uh, that are with us, and we're going to be uploading things there. People will have some time on their hands. So um, by God's grace, we hope to produce materials that will be able to serve uh, the church during this time. Thanks again.